Welcome again to another episode of Studio B. I am your host, Pastor Marcus Holman. Thank you for joining us here today. Um, Before we go any further, you know the drill. Make sure that you go to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and even our YouTube to make sure that you follow, like, and subscribe so that you don't miss one single episode here on Studio B. Um, today I have in the studio, today I have in the studio a very special guest, uh, Miss Maggie Johnson, a certified Christian counselor of ACBC, um, does a lot of Christian counseling, does a lot of interaction with uh, young boys and young girls, and is a faithful member here at the Church of Bethel's family. And so Miss Maggie Johnson, thank you so very much for joining us here on the set of Studio B. How are you doing today? Wonderful, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Ms. Maggie, we have this uh, conversation today where we're going to be talking about a very uh, touchy subject, um, something that has been in the news quite a bit these last couple of weeks and months, Um, but it's oftentimes a conversation that we kind of steer away from. It's the elephant in the room, and it's talking about human sex trafficking. And so today we're going to kind of get a 30,000-foot view about what that looks like, um, what are some of the signs that we need to be looking for. And, and how do we actually deal with this whole sex trafficking mm-hmm. uh, industry? Um, I was looking at something that said that human trafficking earns on a global market $150 billion a year. Yeah. And $99 billion of that comes from commercial sexual exploitation. Yes. 71% of all human trafficking victims are females. But now there is coming a rise now where 29% of those caught in sex trafficking are now boys, males. Absolutely. And it is a phenomenon that many don't want to look at, but it is on the increasingly rise. So let me ask you, as somebody that deals with, um, in counseling sessions, this, this, this topic on a daily basis, what is the actual definition of human sex trafficking? You know, according to the U.S. Department, uh, has to describe uh, or to define trafficking victims as human trafficking is the act of recruiting, harboring, transporting, providing, or obtaining a person for compelled labor or commercial sex sex acts through the use of force, fraud, or coercion. Hmm. So that last, we can oftentimes see um, the first two, forced, Um, We can see how somebody is forced into that particular lifestyle Mm -hmm. against their will. Um, You know, you're talking about pimps and gorilla pimps and, you know, the the typical uh, pimp that would, you know, beat his girl up and then send her back out on the street. But that last one, coercion, is a very interesting one. Mm -hmm. Let's explain a little bit about what the coercion one looks like. Well, this is the grooming process. This is the process where I'm promising you something. It is where I have a, I have a hidden agenda. For instance, in schools and, and various uh, sporting events, what have you, they may have someone that is, uh, have, have watched you for a while, have uh, learned your fears, learned what you like, learned what your goals are in life. And so they begin to approach you with that agenda in mind, saying, I'm just going to become your friend. Mm. I'm going to become the one who is an avenue to your goal. And so that's how the relationship starts. So you mean that there are people actually in high schools, we call them scouts. 
and they're sitting there and they are looking at the lay of the land and they are identifying certain kids who fit a particular demographic, mm -hmm. um, isolated or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And those are the kind of kids that they go and pray on. You know, you, you, you look at it just the way a, uh, a scout goes out and gets someone in football. They're going to watch you. They're going to know more about you probably than people who just hang out with you about because they have that goal in mind. Yes, there is someone that is actually watching you. Mm. There's someone that is has, has a lot of times what happens is a trafficker has uh, gotten in touch with a buyer, and this buyer has said, okay, I want this person, and I want them to do this, this, this. So they send the scout out, look for that particular person, and that scout can be anyone. It can be the cheerleader. It can be, uh, it can be a teacher. It can be absolutely anyone, and they get to know that person. They get to uh, know what's going on in their family lives. It's so very important that they know what is going on in your family life because they have an agenda as to begin the process as to isolate you from that individual, that individual from their family so that and friends so that they can t show you that I'm the one that you need. Hmm. Everyone else is going to fail you. Church on down. It's going to fail you. But look what I'm doing for you. You're hurting at home. Look what I'm providing for you. You don't even have money. Look what I'm giving for you. So there is that coercion. And then it, it happens to the point where, and that's, that's one, but it also happens in, in the, um, the recruitment, the, the area of the Romeo relationship, where um, I'm, your, I'm your girlfriend, I'm your boyfriend, and then there's a hidden agenda to get you into the into the life as well. So, Maggie, and one of the things when I was looking at the research on this, I am I'm not shocked. I don't want to I don't wanna use that word, um, even though that might be an appropriate word to say. But this thing is pervasive right now. Mm -hmm. um, it is literally everywhere to where there was the the standard pimp right now does not look like the 2020 pimp. So he's not wearing, you know, fish tank uh, shoes with furs and stepping out of Cadillacs, right? So he doesn't personify that typical pimp or what we think a pimp looks like. Right. And then it's so it's so interesting that that people are in this lifestyle that you would have never imagined mm -hmm. would be anywhere near it. Right. So you have people that are out there on the streets and, and boys and girls who are trapped in this lifestyle that come from two-parent households, right. uh, successful households, mm -hmm. uh, where they're not being abused, they're not being mistreated. Um, so the, 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 the net of this thing is so broad now mm -hmm. to where it is encompassing every single area of our life. And here's the sad part that I want you to speak on. It's even pervasive in the church oh, yeah. um, where our kids are being targeted inside of the church. Mm -hmm. So how do we kind of, and maybe that's too much of a lofty statement. Let me just ask you this. What are some of the signs of somebody being involved in human sex trafficking? You know, just like... Um the identity of the person that is uh, preyed upon and the one that is, is going after them is changing. That is also changing as well. The signs that someone, the general signs, you would tell you that someone that's avoid eye contact. They're not going to do this. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Because there is an uneasiness, you know. 
if if I if I make contact with you, then I'm gonna I'm gonna have to respond to that. I don't know how to respond to that. And so I mean that's not even true. That's that is true not even with someone who is in a life, but it's just someone who has a conscience that's that's working against them. We, mm. we would say guilty conscience, yeah, right? Yeah. And the conscience, we know there is no false guilt in our, in us. It's just the guilt that's misapplied. We just need to know where it where it comes from. So there's an avoidance of eye contact. So you want to really really want to watch that. Why would you not uh, have eye contact with me? Mm. Well, what's up with that? And and that's something I really pay attention to. Um, uh, sexually explicit profile on social media. So if if if, if you ha- you have um, you walk with someone and they're just they're showing you something of their profile and you see all these things as derogatory, you need to know because that person is they don't have those um, videos up or pictures up just for them to be up. Mm-hmm. So they're shared. So Megan, let me let's 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 pay uh, close attention to that one. The social media aspect. Yeah. Um, when we're dealing with our kids, you know this as well as I do. Our kids have a public profile that everybody sees, mom and dad. This is, you know, this is me on my Facebook, on my Twitter. But then they have another profile, the one that they actually do all the interacting with. Mm -hmm. And when you're looking at social media today, social media is one of the most, um, it's hard to kind of grapple with the power of social media as it relates to our kids. Mm -hmm. They do everything on social media. That's where they get all their information from. That's where they do all their connecting with is is social media. So with social media being as big as it is and sometimes being used in this regard, Mm -hmm. how does a parent say, how does a parent recognize um, those particular signs in their kids? You gotta be involved. You gotta be involved today. You've got to be involved before they go to, to school, when they come home. You've got to be involved tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. Just like technology changes so rapidly, you cannot assume that you know everything there is about your child. It's, it's just like saying the conversation that my son has with me isn't the same conversation he's having with his friend yeah. about the same matter. And it would be naive of a parent to think that just because you have guidelines in order saying don't, 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 that your child is going to not, 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 not. Yeah. How many of us were told things by our parents? Yeah, and did the opposite. And did the opposite. And then we have the, an excuse for our mom, for our dads. Expect that. Check the phone. Now, don't be someone like me that if I have to put a code on my child's phone, I got to go and, and ask them, <laughs> how do you the put code? the code? How <laughs> yeah. do I, why do I put it on there? Yeah. So you want to stay involved. There is absolutely no excuse. If you're going to allow your child to have a phone, then know when www, World Wide Web. Mm-hmm. So what are you saying? You have access now to the world. But look at the opposite side. Doesn't the world now have access to you? That's exactly right. Do you really want the world to have access to your child without them having the, the wisdom on how to handle all that information? This is what 
causes us to, um, to, to be over-processed in our mind. You know, we, we disconnect because it's like, well, I don't know how to handle that. I don't, know how, I don't know how to handle these things. Our children don't know how to handle all the information. Mm-hmm. I mean, my um, email thing now is at 1900 because I, I got to go through there and, and look at the information that I need to respond to. And these emails are coming in all, on an average about 150 per day. I don't know how to handle that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how to handle this. So if I am 17 years old and I am dealing with all this increase of information, how do I handle this? So remember that. So, Maggie, so, so let's speak to this parent right now because I think a lot of parents just simply bury their head in the sand because the information is so much. Nobody wants to think about their child ever, 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 ever being involved in that life, mm-hmm. whether forcibly or being coerced. You know, we create this picture of what our family should be, what we want them to be, and then we try our best to make sure that we paint that picture. And so a lot of parents have this understanding that I'm just going to bury my head in the sand. And I, and I understand that because that's a safe, that's a safe response. But because this thing is so pervasive and and we don't have time on this podcast to really dig down into the wells of how deep it goes, but human sex trafficking is absolutely rampant Mm -hmm. in every aspect of our lives. Mm -hmm. And in an age where we are glorifying sex and and we are doing this and we're doing that, we're pushing the envelope a little bit more over here, we're pushing the envelope a little bit more over there. Just recently, and I shared this with you in our pre-talk, that three weeks ago, California just signed a bill, um, and the bill is actually SB 145. Mm -hmm. Um, SB 145 lowers the age of consent of sexual intercourse in California, but it also creates a 10-year gap. Now, I want you to hear this. This bill would exempt mandatory registration under the act uh, under the act of a person convicted of sexual offense if the person they're having sex with is no more than 10 years younger. Right. Think about that. Mm-hmm. So a 20-year-old right. can have sex with a 12-year-old. Right. A 20-year-old can't have sex with a 9-year-old. As long as it's not over 10 years, that person does not have to register as a sex offender. Now, here's the amazing part about that, Maggie. It passed in their house overwhelmingly. Grown people. Grown people said, hey, that sounds like a good idea. Mm -hmm. Let's not register a 25-year-old who's having sex with a Mm 14-year-old. Let's not do that. And so this is coming from the laws of the land, and it is so pervasive in our culture that it's easier just, as you said, to check out. Mm-hmm. But our kids are being caught up in this in record numbers, and the damaging effects on their psyche, their emotional health, their physical health mm-hmm. is something that's going to follow them all the days of their life. So my question to you is this. Because it's so big, how do you even begin to get a handle on this thing? How do you even begin? Where do you start? You know, I, I think it's, if you want to eat an elephant, you just start one bite at a time. Huh. The only reason something like this uh, get you to this level and with this level of response is because someone has convinced themselves or an organization has convinced themselves what works. 
the gay community know this this works. Absolutely. They know this works. They know they knew that they would be affected uh, adversely because it did not include sexual intercourse. Absolutely. So they had to do something. Now, they could have done the same thing, and I'm, and I'm just looking at what, what when I'm, I'm researching in, in, the, in regarding this bill, is that they could have simply amended sexual intercourse. Mm-hmm. But what they wanted to protect was their younger people mm-hmm. because they were they want to introduce in this this in I don't know about daycare but but it, it, at least in middle school grade school because they knew they would be adversely affected so they wanted to extend that out so that if you have a middle schooler or I mean a, 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 a fifth grader that is um, what what are they about 11 years old mm-hmm. so they wanted to make sure that if that individual messed with someone within that area, they, they would be just fine. So they had to do that. I mean, it works for them. This is how it works. We become so desensitized to what purity is, it's not even on our radar anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's damaging. So this particular uh, bill, the SB, one four to five, it's going to set precedence for a whole Absolutely. other city. Absolutely. But does it have to? Do we have to be desensitized? Can we look at it and have a plan in place as to how we can combat such a thing from happening? So, so if we're talking out loud here, and we're talking, of course, as born again people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who use the Bible as our as our guide. So maybe our point of view is skewed from a particular vantage point. However, um, we understand that the Bible talks about sex, and you know the Bible talks about Rahab, one of the most infamous prostitutes, and in all of the Word of God. Um, but, and it also talks about how God changed her life, right? So the, the dynamic, uh, God doesn't shy away from these issues that are on the table right now, mm-hmm. but there is a direct correlation of how God can change somebody's life who is involved in that. Absolutely. The problem that I'm, that I'm having here, uh, Sister Maggie, is when we're looking at um, our times, uh, we know we're in the last of the last days because of what we see going on. We know that. Um, and again, coming from a biblical perspective, but with this thing with sex trafficking, um, what used to be taboo has now been normalized. Um, it's now on your TV. It's on your telephone. It's everywhere. It's, it's, it used to be where your mom would say, girl, you, you're too fast. You, you're too fast. Now those two fast girls are just normal. And, and so now the, the, the problem seems to be spreading like wildfire. So if I ask you a question about human sex trafficking, um, how difficult is it to get out of that life? You deal with people who are in this particular arena, mm-hmm. um, who have been in sex trafficking, who have been sex trafficked. How, how difficult is it to get out of that lifestyle? Short of... Um Disclosing any counselees or, or anything, it's um, it's a fear that you're not going to imagine. We we can't even grasp that someone. Now this, this, let me let me back up a little bit. 
when we refer to pimp, we're normally thinking that there is someone that is going to be watching over you, okay? People are traffic. They still go to school. They still come to church. They still sing in the choir. They are still in youth group. They are still doing their normal thing. They're passing tests. They're doing all of this. But they have to have excuses, a mass exit, connection with them at all times. So for them, the number one fear is, is to be out, with, out of the range of the trafficker and then the consequence of that. So can you, can you imagine that if Sister Holman didn't know where you were and immediately she was going to serve you divorce papers mm -hmm. and you just simply left your phone there for a minute and you've got a child that has a, a full grown male in their presence at all time and they are taunting them this is going to happen. They're, and you, you see it. They're being beaten up. It's a fear that is immeasurable. An individual that is coming out of human trafficking has got to have the strength of Almighty God behind them to get out of it because their life are in danger. Their family life is in danger. Or anything else that's connected to them is said to be in danger. So it's a, it's a fear unbelievable. But those who press through are determined that they are willing to, to die. Some are saying, if, I, if this doesn't happen, then this time I'll kill myself. Or uh, if, if it, you know, and then some definitely don't go to, to the church. They won't go to any place that has, uh, they won't go to the police department. They won't go to any place where they know their, uh, their pimp is going to look for them. So they will go to another location. Someone that said, okay, you can run here, or you think you can run there, and so you run there. So you don't go to the common places, the, the normal places, because you know you're going to be found out, found out. then you'll go some places and you take that chance. You, you run the risk. You will run the risk of your, of your life, of your family, and a lot of times people do not, don't do that. They will not risk. So they stay in there with the life expectancy probably for about just a few years. Um, we did a, um, a tour around the city of Houston. Um, I think that was maybe about a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, and it was with Elijah Rising. Right. Um, right. And we did a tour around the city of Houston. Mm -hmm. And I was absolutely amazed. And they were pointing out all of these brothel houses that were hidden in plain sight. I mean, Absolutely. hidden in plain sight. Um, and as a matter of fact, I was even amazed when the guy said, no, that's a sex house. I'm like, it's in a strip center. Right. It's, it's like right next to a grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I was just amazed at how, how pervasive this thing is mm -hmm. just in the city of Houston. Mm -hmm. But even as we went to the museum and we walked uh, to, to Elijah Rising Museum and they had these particular things in there, one thing that I noticed on the wall was a occupancy permit Absolutely. by the city of Houston. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these brothel houses that are known brothel houses, known sexual gathering places, have occupancy per permits. Mm -hmm. 
which is amazing. Right. Like, how do you get a permit for a brothel house in the city of Houston? Mm-hmm. And it got me to thinking, Maggie, because this this thing, and, and as you begin to start peeling the layers off, you just keep on peeling because there's so many different layers to it. How do we how do we grab this? How do we um, what's the starting point? There are so many organizations out there that are doing the best they possibly can to intervene in these young kids' lives, to get kids off of the street, to get those who have been trafficked back into safe environments. But it seems as though um, if we get one, that gap is filled by four. Mm-hmm. And, and it seems as though the problem is just so big, again, going back to the parent, that most people just check out because the problem is so big. And so my question to you is, as somebody that deals with this, is at a grassroots level, at a grassroots level, how do we tackle it in a very tangible way? And do we look at numbers or do we look at, as your point said before, uh, just reaching that one? How do we do it? You know, I think the, the most um, the most effective way that a parent can handle this big problem is to develop that relationship with your child. Have that relationship that is, is open for communication. Don't be shocked at what your child is telling you. Uh, be involved at every level of your child's life. So number one is the relationship. Keep it open. Because they're, uh, they're, they're a groomer. That's what he's doing. He's developing a relationship. Now, the gorilla style, they don't have to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the CEO and the, the uh, roaming your relationship, it's, it, it's developed that way. Now, describe the CEO. Well, the CEO is well-dressed. He shows up with a, um, well, we would say he was an accomplice, but he shows up with his business partner. He's, he's, he's in a three-piece suit. He is clean cut. He has, uh, I want you, you know, you look like you should be a model. I have an opening, da 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 I'm going to make sure you have your photo shoot. I'll pay for that. I'm going to make sure that you have uh, modeling assignments and pay for that. And, you know, this is someone I have recruited and let them talk about. Hmm. And so they do. And it's just as innocent. You've got forms. You've got all the information there. And you just set it up. But he has an agenda. And he's he's very unassuming. Absolutely. He's very unassuming. You would not. You're not talking about someone that that doesn't uh, know what he's doing. I mean, he's got his psychology down pat. He probably has degrees down pat. He's pretty pretty professional in in the sense. Hmm. So it's all there. Know the, uh, know what a pimp is. I don't even, that, that, to me, that word is, is kind of old. Yeah, outdated. It's very, very antiquated. Mm-hmm. So something like this manager, because they, when they take their, their um, the individual to a hospital, they show, show up as a manager, manager. So just know, let your child know what this person is going to do. Matter of fact, even just sort of role playing. There is so much information online now. You should, you should know what a what a, a manager mm-hmm. is going to do. You should know all these things by now. So just start there. Don't try to tackle the whole thing. You know, and if you, um, when legislature comes up, be familiar with it. Just go online and Google it and say, well, what is the sex tracking legislature coming up? What is it doing in my, my, uh, my city? And I'll just, just 
just do that. But if you don't want to go that route, then don't go that route. Do what you can do. And as you do the little, more shows up. So don't try to do everything. But you've got your child with you the majority of the time. Use it. Turn off the TV. Mm -hmm. Talk about those things. Role play. Let them know what, uh, what someone looked like. Let them know when a friend start talking to you this kind of way and promising you things. And don't, don't you know, tell your mom about it. You don't, you know. Or, you know, tell your mom about it, but she, I know she, she's not going to listen. This is what, what mom's going to do. Because there are people out there that have been hurt, and they know that's why it's, it's important that they get to know your family lifestyle. Have you been abused in any kind of way? One out of three people today, you're in an abusive situation. So there, there are four of you sitting around, what have you. One of you have been abused some mm-hmm. kind of way. And, and that's, that's women and men. It doesn't matter. The, the, the statistics, if we really, really uh, got that out there, the number of when, men that are abused, it would just blow us away. So, Sister Maggie, you were talking about the uh, statistics of one in three are from abused um, relationships. Uh, continue with that thought. One in three individuals, you've got three people that, that are there. There's been one person that's been abused. And it used to be much broader. But now that people are comfortable or coming out of the closet, per se, and, and knowing that someone will listen to them now, or, oh, I, you mean there's a chance I can get help? There, there's a chance that, and then some, someone might have, well, you know, there's some money involved in here. They're talking. Now, did this just all of a sudden start happening? No. It's just... When there is information avail itself or, and there's a freedom to talk about it, you're going to have more people that are coming. Now, this is true not only of men and uh, women, but you've got children as well. Mm. You've got people who were abused uh, as a child. And what you got, 30-some years come into life? So it really shouldn't shock us. But... You, you asked me about that, what is a parent uh, to do and what is anyone to do? When the, do I talk about that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, when, when it's overwhelmed. I mean, you got this great big old elephant that you got to eat. Start at the level where you can say, what can I do? And one of the things I have learned as a counselor is to know that there are so many individuals out there that have been abused and that are being abused. And now as a mandatory uh, reporter, if I know you're being abused, then I've got to report that regardless. But I'm going to help you in the process as well. So if I've got, there are a thousand people out there, do I say, okay, of these thousand, you know, I I just can't do anything. You know, I'm just going to hang it. No. Do what you can to that one person. My efforts matters to this one. Then it matters to the next one. And every time I gleam a little bit more on how that person was helped, I use that information and I bring it into the next session and I help that person. And then it just keeps going and it keeps going. It really is something, God is just so amazing that 
when you, you, you stop to think about his, his power and you think about only 12 men minus one, and he's someone who's going to be got back in, but you think 12 men, and you're going to do what? Mm-hmm. So you've got 12 believers with 12 people, maybe minus one. Isn't he smart? Do the one. Do the one. And then more will come. It just, that's all you do. God isn't saying you're going to eradicate all these things. He is just saying just be faithful with it. And that's what you do. As a parent, just be faithful with that child. I mean, unless you got maybe 20, be faithful to 20. Whichever number I gave you, be faithful with that. So in, in, respects, to, in respects to practical, everyday, this is how we tackle it. Um, Maggie, so let me, let me, let me ask you a, a question in regards to where does strip clubs, what part does that play in sex trafficking? Is that uh, male adult clubs? Is that a part of sex trafficking? Yeah. And how is it? Well, it's just like asking, you know, okay, does, it, does an ice cream. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and a hot dog stand. It, it, it's feeding a hunger, right? And, and it does. These are just organizations that are legit all because of our laws. They are legit for a reason. And it's because someone is profitable. Whenever anything is profitable, it is going to somehow work its way in the fabrics of acceptance in our society, mm. either through um, entertainment. It's going to work its way, and it's going to have the consequence that thereof. So we don't necessarily have a government that's a, that's, um, is, is into the after, aftermath of it. It's just, what is it going to do for me? Going back to the, to the permit for, for, the, for the, um, uh, the parlor. You've got, hey, I need my nails done. Yeah. I need my nails done. But I need my nails done. Okay, so men need the nails done. Or women need the nails done. So I provide that service. But it's not going to be provided up front. I mean, who's going to do that? Mm-hmm. You're going to shut my really, my money making, I mean, what? $40 for, for some nails when I can get $400 behind? You think I'm going to tell you that? Am I going to give you the money behind that? No. So it's the behind the curtain. So now I want to talk about something. I want to, uh, going back to our tour with Elijah Rising, you mentioned nail parlors. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're doing, taking our tours around the city of Houston, a number of those brothels that were known sex trafficking havens were parlors. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a massage parlor here, nail salon here, but got backroom action in the back. And one thing that I, that I learned when we was on there is that each one of these particular strip clubs um, pays into a particular, um, uh, I don't know what they're called, but uh, an agency that governs these strip clubs. Mm-hmm. And each one of these strip clubs pays a particular um, uh, fee to this task force that goes around 
to make sure that they are ensuring the safety of the girls. Mm-hmm. Well, if the strip club is providing the money for the task force, that's like the Wolf Garden the Hen House. Mm-hmm. And so you got all of these layers of corruption. When I go into a known brothel house and I see a city of Houston occupancy permit on the wall mm-hmm. that was signed by the city of Houston, mm-hmm. and in the same time, I know that that is a brothel house where sexual acts are being performed, mm-hmm. We have all these different layers that are hitting us all at one time. And oftentimes when you see behind the scenes, you see kids and and um, young adults, young young girls, young girls, young boys who are being brought across the border from other countries, who are being infiltrated into this life, who are in the forced aspect of it. But here's what I want to ask you. When you have that person, do you have somebody in the sex trafficking industry that wants to be a part of that industry? Um, they're not forced. They're not necessarily coerced. They want to be in that industry. Do you come across any examples like that? Well, I have not had anyone, no more than once, that has told me that that's, that's just what I'm going to do. You know, you know, they do. And as far as an international uh, situation go, there is usually a ploy to get you here. And you mm-hmm. are totally despondent where you are. Yeah, now speak I mean, on that. I mean, there's nothing happening in your country. I mean, you, you can't make an adequate living. You can't provide for your child. So you come over here with, by invitation, saying, well, okay, my girlfriend, she said that, you know, she's making money, and so I come over here and I make money. My, my papers are in order and everything. I'm coming over so I can send money back to my family. I'm doing all these things right. And so I come over. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be doing nails. I mean, that's the same thing I'm doing over my own country, but I can't make any more money because shut down. So you come over here. That's what you're going to be doing. Only to get over here and have your ID taken from you. Yeah. Your passport hmm. is, is, is no longer there. Uh, you don't have access to your family. You don't have access to get out and, and, and go anything, uh, do anything. You are stuck in a, um, in a place with poor ventilation, and you are laboring. You have no, no days off. You have nothing. And if you are, are doing nails, you might be doing sex one. You might be doing a whole lot of other things. So there's a ploy. So, yeah, I mean, it happens all the time. And not only that, when you, when you consider that, you've got people who would, uh, these, these marriages, these marriages that are coming from foreign countries, you know, mm. I'm, you know, I'm going to, not just want a wife, what have you, and then you're coming over here and you, you're being trafficked. So it's, it's all over the place. Absolutely. So when you're looking at worse and talking about the different aspects of sex trafficking, you know, one of the things that um, was always said early on in life was that marijuana was that gateway drug to all other drugs. Mm-hmm. And there's also a gateway into sex trafficking. Uh, talk about what the the role of pornography and how that plays in to the whole sex trafficking industry. You know, pornography is it operates off of uh, a void within us and a brokenness within us, and it's, it's never the main issue. Hmm. It's just simply the fruit on the vine, and so it 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 just makes itself in way and it grows and grows and grows. Pornography, to, for it to be seen, and it takes a picture, it's on your brain, and it's recalled. It's just recalled. You don't even have to really try to think about it. It just keeps popping. Yeah. So it pops. And when you get to the point when you can't control your thoughts, 
about it, it stays. And then it heightens you. It, it heightens. So when we are heightened about something, we're going to do something with it. So what do I do with it? I mean, do I just sit here and just, or do I do something about it? So I go and I express myself in some kind of way. And this is men and women. And so because when we, when we make the assumption that it is a man issue, no. It is a woman issue, too. That's right. So when we, we look at that and we go say, well, what it is, is doing? Well, it is exciting the chemical in my body that has driven me to the level of excitability. So I go and do something with it. You're not just going to sit there and just do absolutely nothing, not very long. And so there are means by which you can express yourself. Mm. So you've got your brothels. You've got the prostitutes. You've got your, your sex trafficking. This is where our Johns come from. And we learn in, as part of those, those uh, tours is that in the Galleria area alone, it's the most profitable. Yeah. During lunch hour, it's the most profitable uh, time of the day. In the Galleria the the height of Houston, all the prosperity, all the businessmen, all the affluent areas, and the height of the Galleria. Well, we all want to go to the Galleria Mall. That is the place. That is where a lot of this stuff is happening in the city of Houston. And see, a parent needs to know that. Your daughter, 16 years old, she just got her car. She gets a few friends. They are on, they are on um, spring break. They go to Galleria. You're just hanging. Hmm. And you send your daughter out with her friends to the Galleria, eating. Tell her about the pimps that are going to be there. Tell her about the CEO that's going to be there. Tell her don't go to the bathroom alone. Tell her to don't, don't let someone come up to her and say, you know, you, let's talk about this. Yeah. I saw you just bought that. You know, hey, I got this, you know. Tell her about the person that's over-friendly. And this will be your, your own age. Or it can be an executive. Tell her about that. Tell her about those hot spots. What to look for. Because you're not going to have a, a, a 16-year-old and, and put her in a closet. And tell your son that he can be approached as a pimp as well. Mm. Tell, tell, us, tell your son that, uh, you know, you know, you, know, you, you, you got a, you, your father, you got a son and say, man, you know, hey, I've told you, told you about the birds and the bees, but let me tell you about the fleas. Hmm. And so you begin to talk about the man that's going to approach him. You know, he's going to look robust. He's going to be athletic. He's going to promise you, you know, all these things, how you can make a lot of money. I know you're not going to want to tell me about it. You know, the, the little $50 that you're getting from me on a weekly basis is not going to look like anything when you can make 500 I know he's going to tell you all about that. He's going to have someone with you that's going to talk, hey, you know, I'm doing this, 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 I'm in school, I'm going to this college, that college is going to be all of those things. It's going to look so good to you, and you're going to want to jump into it and don't tell me anything about it. Tell them about that. Mm-hmm. Because don't tell them that he's, he's in a pink suit. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. tell him that yeah, he has that. a fro yeah. that's out to here. Yeah. And that he is he is not clean shaved. Don't tell him that. 
But don't don't make, he got his no rings all on with his finger. He, he doesn't have that. He's very unassuming. Absolutely. And so you you speak, uh, and I and I like this part because you want to put some some meat on his bone. So specific things that you need to be looking for in regards to just red flags. Um, when your kids come home and got a brand new pair of Jordans on. Absolutely. Um, okay, where'd you get that? You know, and they got a brand new phone. Um, you know, just certain things that you need to be paying attention to, not just as a parent, but even as an adult that has kids within their circle, mm-hmm. um, which I think is absolutely so important. And when I, I think, Maggie, when you're looking at right now, uh, there's even this thing going on with Netflix and this whole uh, documentary called Cuties and to where they are exploiting, you know, 10 and 11 and 12 year olds that are dancing very sexually, provocatively. They are touching their private parts. Mm-hmm. And over the last three weeks, Netflix has lost about 1.2 million people in in um, subscriptions because people have canceled their subscription to Netflix. But I think it presents a larger problem in so much as that would even be something that would be recommended to be put on the TV. Mm-hmm. Like I, Again, I just think that the envelope is being pushed so far, so, so fast, that stuff that would have never been appropriate 20 years ago right. is now just mainstream. Right. And so when you're looking at how sex trafficking has changed over the years, I think that's reason, one of the reasons why many people can't even recognize it. Mm-hmm. It's because we are looking for the Cadillac. Right. We are looking for the Gorilla Pimp. Mm-hmm. We're not looking for the CEO. We're not looking for the Romeo. We're not looking for the Scout. We're not looking at the guy in my school. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my friend. He came to my house. He knows my people. So he can't be someone that is recruiting me to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so because it has changed so much and it is ever evolving, we really don't pay attention to those warning signs. Mm-hmm. And so when you got a parent out there that may be listening, um, and again, I understand the thinking, I would dare not even want to think about that for my child, but I think that's a naive approach. Um, I believe it's a naive approach because if you bury your head in the sand, it does not stop the problem from coming. You just won't see it coming. So as you're looking at these people coming up right now, and you talked about pornography, when you're seeing what's going on with pornography and the access to the Internet and the access to pornography, mm-hmm. you talked about gaming. Gaming is another way that they get people involved in the human sex trafficking ring. So talk a little bit about all these different avenues that these people are using to bring these young kids into human sex trafficking, like gaming. You know, especially gaming. I mean, recently when we, uh, I think both of us recently, it was in 2019, when we were um, at a convention and learning about gaming, the chemical, the same chemical in my body and yours that excites us to, um, and then it's taken a, you know, it's just out there. But you eat a piece of candy. It has sugar in it. Okay, regular sugar, fine. But you put high fruit, high fructose, corn syrup in it. It's, it excels that sugar will just give you that. Mm-hmm. It's going to, you know, a little height, whatever you. But if you give me high fruit, high fructose, corn syrup, phew. Mm-hmm. So look what the skin is doing. That little bitty thing of, you know, you're just doing your little thing, your Pac-Man. Oh, but now you give me sensual gaming. So you've taken an individual 
that had a, a normal response to something that's exciting, and you you go through 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 levels. Well, now you don't have to do that. You just get to the game and it's already up there. So what you've, you've created is an individual that has to be at that level of excitement instantaneously. They're not going to want anything else. So that's what gaming does. That's what pornography does. It keeps you going up, up, up. It's that master that you will never master. And it is that control that you're given over. And you've given it over voluntarily. Mm. And every avenue, it doesn't matter whether it is, um, the enemy is not going to say, okay, yeah, you know, we're not going to use the, the TikTok. We're not going to use that anymore. We're not going to, we just going to take every avenue there is. Every person there is. It can be a game. It can be social media. It can just be um, anything that it touches our lives. Consider it as an avenue. Look for it as an avenue. The enemy, when you, when you really look at what uh, the avenue that, that, that Satan used, for crying out loud, he was with the Messiah. Mm. So why should we think that there is going to be a safe place? Wouldn't it be naive? I think it would be naive. And Maggie, I think from from our standpoint, again, as Christians, we have a perspective of understanding this through the lens of the Bible. Um, but I think that there needs to be a broader, a broader uh, look at this and not even necessarily from a, a Christian standpoint, but from a, uh, a decency standpoint. All right. So you're looking at the progression of all things like when you're looking at gaming, gaming is now interactive. Um, so it's not just me playing Street Fighter on a on a, on my TV with my remote. Now I have on headphones. I'm online. I am connected to other people in other places. Sometimes in distant countries, far across the globe, and we are all interacting on the same game. And so now they are totally interactive. Totally interactive. Mm -hmm. The games that you see right now, the um, uh, um, the the uh, military games that you see, um, all of these things are now interactive to where it requires the assistance of other people. Mm -hmm. It is a totally different set from when I came up. Mm -hmm. uh, Donkey Kong, Pac-Man, uh, all the things that we used to do, right. that's just me and the screen. Right. It is not that way anymore. It is mm -hmm. totally not that way anymore. And so when you're looking at young people right now that gather 70% of their information off of social media, mm -hmm. Um, the first thing that 42% of all young people do when they open their eyes is check their social media. Right. The first thing they do first thing. is grab their phone and check their social media. And so we're in a place right now to where we are being inundated by all these different mediums. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because I think one of the things that we can do as a grassroots level is begin to educate. Let's start talking to these parents and say, hey, start looking for these signs. Right. When your kid is in their room all day, they never come out. Right. Every time that you see them, they have that phone in their hand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Take that phone away, they have a fit. Mm -hmm. Start looking at signs like that because those are signs that indicate something is off. Right. And so I think by educating people, especially to the signs 
of somebody being involved in that area and even giving them, hey, look for this, look for that. Like you said, when you're out with your friends, talk about that guy when he comes up. So when he comes up, you'd be like, oh, my parents told me about him. Mm -hmm. I, I recognize him. I'm not caught off guard. So Maggie, as you're looking at grassroots levels, um, especially in the church, um, even the church, and, and maybe this is a uh, sad report on the church, but we've done a horrible job in it. Uh, we've done a horrible job. We preach Jesus. You got to get saved. Come to church. Try to live the best life that you can. That's the gist of the message of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And we have missed the points to where we are empowering people mm -hmm. to live outside of church. We live great when we're in church. Mm -hmm. But we're not empowering people to live outside of church. So let me ask you this. What advice would you give to somebody who may be in that life right now? Get out if you can. Survive. If you are being trafficked, of course, you're a minor, let's run. Um, and I'm going to report it if you're a minor. But if you are an adult and you are consenting uh, to it, God has another plan for you. And I talk about him. And I'm not going to judge you on any, any kind of level. I'm not even going to criticize you where you are. So talk about that child first. Talk about that child that is watching. And maybe when I say child, 16, 17, whatever it may be. Right. Talk about that child that's in sex trafficking right now. Because uh, it's going to go across Twitter, Instagram, all the mediums. And they, by the grace of God, have skimmed across this podcast mm -hmm. and hear us talking about sex trafficking, and they're in it. Okay. If you are in sex trafficking right now, I'm, I've already identified you. You know, know that there is hope. There is hope. And the way you're going to get out of it is going to be the opposite of how you got into it. If, if Romeo came... And if the CEO came and you're there, he told you a lot of promises. And they were so real and they made so much sense. They even sounded like it was God talking to you. You finally had everything, but you realize that the price that he offered and the price that you had to pay were not the same thing. You've given him a chance. Let's give God a chance now. Let's see if he has another. Let's see what it, that looks like. Let God be a part of writing the other part of the story. You're 16 years old. You're, you're in it. You've been in it for a few months. Let's say it happens when you're 15, that relationship developed, and it came to this. You thought he was your... He was going to be your Romeo. He was going to be everything. He was going to be the one that, that uh, started your career right, uh, was going to be that you could be married by the time you're out of high school. You thought, and now you're, you're in a hotel room filled with the men that you've got to please within the next 24 hours. They're, they keep coming, and you're there, the only one. Take a chance that there is somebody there that's going to help you get out. Just take that chance. I've, I've heard stories like that. Uh, this is my real name. Take that chance. And that you don't hear anything, take another chance. Uh, so Sister Maggie Johnson, um, talking about sex trafficking on today, 
um, just something very, very quickly. If this uh, Studio B goes across on all um, social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, if there's a, a person, a girl or a boy right now that is caught in sex trafficking, and God, by his grace and by his mercy, has allowed them to come across this podcast. And they're saying to themselves, I want to get out. I don't want to be in this anymore. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. How would you encourage that person to take the first steps on getting out? What, what is the first steps on getting out? Knowing that there is someone out there waiting for that, for you to make just that decision. Elijah Rising. You can just, Elijah Rising. And they are there for giving you information on housing, job placements, education, prevention, uh, prevention, training. It's, it's giving you day services, uh, facilities. There's bedding, you know, a place to stay. Uh, another one would be thelanding.org. It is a day drop-in center providing counseling, toiletry items, clothing, uh, assistance, um, for exiting, exiting the life as well. I would start with those two. So ElijahRising.org and TheLanding.org are some um, real grassroots organization that you can contact. Um, if you're in that lifestyle right now, I want to encourage you to the depths of my being. Um, God has such a greater plan for your life. Um, God has not willed this for you in any way, shape, or form. And if you're in this place and you want to get out, and hopefully that you do, um, those are two websites that you can go to to get immediate help. Somebody can talk to you and counsel you through that that particular um, situation that you're in right now. And Maggie, we're going to continue this sex trafficking talk on our next podcast. Uh, we will have a young lady who um, has a lot of familiarity with this, who has gotten out of the life. Um, and we'll provide some valuable aspects in that. But I want to thank you uh, for coming on and talking about this subject because I think it is um, a subject that we don't nearly talk about enough. Right. And I think when you really begin to start doing your research on this, it will blow your mind right. on how big and how deep this thing goes. But I want to thank you for joining us, Miss Maggie Johnson, Certified Christian Counselor. I'm here at the Church of Bethel's family. Thank you for your work, your service, and your dedication to the Lord and all that you helped in and through your ministry. And I want to thank all of those for joining in for another episode of Studio B. Make sure you go to Facebook, Twitter, IG, and our YouTube. Like, subscribe, and share so that you don't miss one single episode of Studio B. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.